Hey spooky friends, welcome to another edition of 28 Days Later. I'm your host, Sophie, joined as always by the charming Hannah. Hello, coming to you live from my new recording studio. Yeah, Hannah, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your recording studio? What's it like? <laughs> um, it's spacious. It's got a really good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the view a... like? <laughs> um, some beautifully evenly painted walls. It's a mm-hmm. closet with no windows <laughs> and no ventilation. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, that so that's is how I'm authentic at. we want our experience <laughs> to be for our for our fans. That's perfect. Uh, we're really here trying to curate a very authentic experience for all of you. Um, we So we have not gotten back with you all with a new and newly recorded episode since uh, things have sort of sort of grinded to a halt and gotten kind of kind of wonky here in the in the states and I guess all over the place uh, with the spread of the coronavirus. And so a couple of weeks ago, Hannah and I already had an episode that we had backlogged that was scheduled to release. Um, and we've released a couple of those, but we, you know, we felt bad leaving you all hanging. I know that everyone's sort of in a weird place right now, and we didn't want you guys to think that we were just carrying on business as usual. Like, we know you're all struggling, but we're fine. So, uh, Hannah's recording from a closet. That's how we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I basically um, went from being, like, sort of, like, are we a couple? Are we not a couple? Um, let's go for it and try being a couple with my boyfriend one week to, well, now we live together full time. Um, so <laughs> it's uh, been quite an adjustment over here. And his apartment has an open floor plan. So there's like no doors except for the bathroom. So hence the closet because I need my space. <laughs> well, Hannah, may I just say that your acoustics are stunning. You sound great. Uh, thank you. I know how important my voice is to our listeners and just like their general sanity. Um, so I really want to, you know, deliver a top quality here to put everyone at ease. Just right Hannah off the does, bat. Hannah doesn't <laughs> know this, but all of our listeners are well aware that uh, because Hannah never listens to the episodes once they come out, I do go in post-production and put like a sound mixer over my voice because I know that what he, people are really here for is Hannah's voice. So I really elevate her levels and then make myself sound kind of Gollum-esque and then push that out to our listeners. Mm, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, Hannah, other than moving in with your uh, relatively new boyfriend, I mean, like he's not new, but the status is relatively new, uh, and recording in a closet, how is social distancing and uh, semi-quarantine going for you? Um, the, the distancing aspect of it, um, I feel like for me, isn't, hasn't been too, too bad. I mean, I think sort of like the vibe I've gotten from, from friends that I've talked to is pretty similar for me where it's like, you know, on and off where some days you're like, oh, okay, like this, I'm, I'm handling this well. And then other days where you're just like freaking out or totally panicked about the whole situation um, I think, like, uh, my boyfriend and I have been doing a pretty good job of, like, keeping busy or just, like, coming up with tasks and, um, projects that we never did that we'd mm-hmm. like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing for me is since I'm a nanny, my job status is really uncertain right now. Um, and it's really just, like, day to day, um, at this point. So it could also stop, like, at any point um, with very little warning. And that is by far the most stressful aspect of the quarantine situation for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, I am, I have applied to grad school and I've picked the school I want to go to and I'm going to confirm my um, status. But it's really scary to... uh, do that when I'm also in a place where it's like I might not have a job next week um yeah so that's all pretty scary like oh sure I'll just go ahead and hunker down for like 
couple, <laughs> multiple uh, Ks worth of student loans right before I lose my job, no big deal. <laughs> right, right. Um, so that's been pretty tough, and it's, it's hard because uh, the family I work for is amazing, and they pick me up and drop me off every day um, from my apartment. So I just am going back and forth between the apartment and their house um, and not really, I'm not doing anything else other than that, which is good. And I, I love that they're really trying to like accommodate and keep me on as long as they can, but it's scary because it's also like if they do have to let me go, the chances that they would be able to like hire me back after everything you know, does whatever it's going to do when this is all over is very slim. So it's like, it's difficult. It's just yeah. a lot of added feelings, especially since I've been with my, with my baby boys for about, uh, two and a half years. So the idea of not seeing them every day is like even more upsetting to me than actually like the idea of losing my job. So, right. Well, I, Hannah, I, I'm guessing that you are probably not alone. I'm sure that some of our listeners can definitely empathize with the idea yeah. of uncertain and unstable job conditions right now. Um, I am I am sort of uh, in the other end of the spectrum. I, my job is pretty stable. Um, and so I think there's just a lot more, a lot more of the anxiety and stress for me just comes from the the general isolation, um, which can be challenging. I think I'm doing relatively well. I, I talked to my boss today and he had sent out an article that I actually saw and, and retweeted yesterday about the idea that it might help folks to process what we're all feeling right now. If they understand that what we're all feeling right now is grief, like mm. we are all grieving plans that plans that have gone have gone away or have moved or have changed plans we're having to schedule. We're, we're grieving a loss of like stability and certainty and routine. Um, that's really important. And one of the things I said to my boss is I think that, um, I, I believe I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I, I work for the federal public defender's office and all the cases I work on are guys that are on death row. And I did lose a client in October. One of my clients was executed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I did a lot of work in therapy leading up to that to try to, like, emotionally prepare as much as I could. I mean, you can never really pre- prepare for losing someone you care about, especially in a way like that. But I think I handled the aftermath of his execution much better than I would have otherwise because of the work I did in therapy. And I'm kind of having those same feelings now. And what I told my boss is, it's not that I feel great every day. I think you talked about this, too. Like, I have days where... I feel pretty okay. And then I have other days where I think this feels fine now, but we don't, don't know how long it's going to go on for. What if it never stops? What if we can never go outside again? Um, and as a person who has a tendency to get anxious and catastrophize, my brain can definitely go to those places. And when I have those bad days, the reason I still say that I think overall I'm doing pretty well is I'm, I am able to identify that pretty quickly. Like I can tell pretty quickly when my day is not going well and when I'm just kind of feeling off or my anxiety levels high. And I, I have a safety plan for myself of like things I can do when that's happening. And so that's really smart. Yeah. Like it is a thing that I learned in grad school um, because social workers are all about self care and having safety plans. And so um, if I can impart one thing to our listeners, it's that I think all of us are, probably at different points and to different degrees feeling isolated and scared and angry and all kinds of other things. And safety plans can be really helpful. And sometimes it can be as easy as, you know, I did one in grad school where a professor just said, take a little piece of construction paper that you can keep in, you can like cut a small piece, like a business card size piece of paper that you can keep with you that says like, here's one thing I can do, one person I can call, um, And one thing, like one thing I can do now, one person I can call, one person I can, one thing I can do that's bigger, right? So I would, mine was something like, uh, I can practice deep breathing. I can call Hannah. I can um, like get a blanket and make myself some tea. I think if you can identify some things for yourself that like really help you calm down, 
Um, just so you have those things in your arsenal, because I think we're all going to get to a point. We're all going to have points where our feelings are overwhelming. And so it's better to have tools at your disposal before that happens rather than trying to find a way to calm down while you're in the midst of feeling kind of panicky. Yeah. Um, one thing I have found really helpful the last couple of days that's like might sound really silly, but I encourage other folks to try it if it appeals to you is randomly on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, well before any of this had even become an issue and, and or I had even heard of coronavirus, um, I saw a photo of a baby seal on its belly, kind of like holding its tail and its head up. And it looks like it's smiling. It just like looks like it looks like so very zen. It's really cute. <laughs> Um, and I saved it on my phone and I started texting it to my friends when they were like really stressed out or having a bad day. Um, and so like I look at it when I'm feeling stressed out and yesterday on Twitter, I just stumbled upon a picture of a baby owl and someone is like massaging the top of its head and it's just like sitting with its eyes closed, kind of bobbing with their fingers. Um, so I would highly recommend just trying to find pictures of cute animals being calm because usually... They're just adorable pictures um, that will make you giggle. And I have found that they, like, instantly reduce my heart rate <laughs> when I look at them. Um, my best friend and I have, like, a, a thing like that where if either of us is ever having a bad day, um, we send each other the uh, – I know Sophie will know this, but not everyone has seen this movie, but the clip from Surf's Up with the sea urchin – Oh, it's so good. It's our favorite, and we've always done that. Like, if the other person's having a bad day, we'd always send it to each other, but now we're just, like, randomly sending it to each other, <laughs> like, at different that. points throughout the day. This is kind of like, if one of us is like, I needed this right now and thought you might need it too. And, like, let's just plug, if you're someone who has the time and the ability to access Surf's Up, um, would highly recommend it as a quarantine movie. It's just, like, a really oh. cute, feel-good animated film that got super super overlooked when it came out absolutely and especially because it's jeff bridges big z and like whenever you get stressed out about that you can just think of jeff bridges as big z like being with you in this time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that movie is so great um i also want to shout out like that's a great thing like that i love that you mentioned is i think if you have someone in your life if you can just develop some kind of like code right that's like if I send you this it's because I'm having a bad day or like I'm sending you this because I want you to have a good day I think both of those things are super helpful and I want to shout out a dear friend of mine who also listens to the podcast um who a couple years a couple months ago told me that he really wanted to find a picture that would sum up like the sentiment of being supportive um that he could, like, send to his friends when they were going through something really difficult, but he didn't have, like, the words to fix it. Like, I think we can all empathize with that feeling, right? That, like, your friend is going through something really difficult and nothing you can say is going to fix it. Um, And when you're not there with them, it's sometimes hard to feel like they can feel how much you are with them, even if you can't actively do anything. And what he, what the first picture that came up was just like this weird photo of a support beam in a, in like someone's house. Um, and so he, it's saved on his computer as supportbeam.jpg. And like, whenever I'm having a bad day, he just sends it to me. And whenever he's having a bad day, I send it to him. Um, and like, he made me a, Spotify playlist over the summer of like songs to cheer me up because I had made one for him a couple months before and he called the playlist supportbeam.jpg. So like I love things like that. We are all probably dealing right now with being far away from our loved ones and not being able even if you live near them, you probably can't um interact with them in the way that you're used to. And so I love building little things like that because I think that can be really helpful. Yeah. I think all the little ways that people are coming up with for maintaining relationships or, like, uh, spending time with other people virtually is, like, Mm -hmm. really um, interesting to see and experience. Yeah, definitely. And, And sort of to be on brand for our podcast, Jeremy and I did have virtual brunch with a friend of ours over the weekend. So we like you did. Skyped. We did. We we skyped him. Um, our friend Jose lives in L.A. and uh, 
listeners of the pod right, might remember he did the amazing piece of art about uh, mm. cupcake stains that we nice. love so much. Um, yeah. We, we Skyped with him. Uh, we, we all three made breakfast burritos. Like, we made breakfast burritos here in KC. He made a breakfast burrito in L.A. And uh, we all ate breakfast burritos and watched The Rock uh, with Sean Connery and Nick Cage and, like, texted. And, um, <laughs> and just, like, and it was super fun. And we video we did video chat, like, while we cooked and started eating. And then we turned the movie on. Um so maybe, Hannah, we should figure out a way that we can, like, do a virtual brunch with any of our listeners that want to do some kind of virtual brunch with us. Yeah, that would be dope. That would be really fun. Yeah, let's talk um, off air. We can definitely get that in the works. That would be a good idea. No, let's figure it out right now. Let's get into <laughs> the details of it, every little thing. This is the logistics um, podcast. This is the, yeah. This is a new segment uh, called Logistics, and it is riveting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but um, Hannah, wait, I think I at this a, point we should go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say just a, a comment on my end. Um, also in theme with this podcast, I have. I don't know if it's because of like the added stress of just everything, um, or maybe if anyone else has experienced something similar, they can like shout it out and let me know that it is not um, only me. But basically, I started my period, like, early last week. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was last week. It might have even been longer than that. Basically, um, I've been on my period for, I think, like, a week and a half. Ah! (laughs) That's not okay. (laughs) Um, And I don't, yeah, I'm just like, what's happening to me? (laughs) I definitely Um, think that could be a stress-related thing. That's what I'm thinking slash hoping. Um, but, you know, in it's on brand for this podcast that, like, maybe I'm just going to be in a constant state of menstruation for, like, the duration of this pandemic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, we'll see. <laughs> so uh, I really thought that you were going to say the thing that I've been experiencing while we've been quarantined and I was going to feel less alone. Um, so I... Um, like many folks who on a regular basis wear makeup, I have not been wearing makeup because I've been at home. Um, and so I've been like, this is a great opportunity to not wear makeup and like keep my face really clean and sort of like allow any like blemishes and acne to heal. Um, and I've had the opposite thing happen, which is that like my face has just like exploded into horrible pimples everywhere. Oh my God. Same. Yes. You are not That makes me feel better. I was listening to a podcast today. Um, I will plug it because it's relevant to what we've been talking about. If you are a person for whom this podcast sounds appealing in any way, you should listen because it is truly helping to keep me sane. But um, Kumail Nanjiani and his wife, Emily Gordon, have started a very short-term podcast just for the duration of time that folks are stuck in their homes. And it's called Staying In with Emily and Kumail. Um, And... Uh, I don't know, for those of you that don't know, Emily Gordon is immunocompromised, and so they have experience with having to quarantine in the past when she has had episodes where she's especially uh, vulnerable. And they started quarantining before a lot of other folks in the U.S. did this time around. And so, and it's important to note that, like, he's a comedian, she's a comedian, but she her background is also in uh, therapy. She used to be a therapist. So it's just, like, the two of them once a week for about an hour – like talking about their experience of being um, shut in, giving advice about like things you can do. Like the first whole whole first episode is about things you can do to like keep your morale up and stay positive when you're working from home for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And then the second episode talks a lot about like if you are someone who is living with a partner or a family member or a friend, like you're probably going to fight with each other because it's closed quarters and everyone's uh, emotions are running high. Like, here are some things to remember when you get into conflict. Like, it's just a really great show. Um, But earlier this morning, I was listening to an episode and Emily Gordon was like, I know there are other people who are having this experience. Like, I have not been wearing makeup because we've been inside and, like, my skin has never looked better. And I was like, why? Like, my skin looks terrible. I literally, like, I just had this this conversation today when my boss was driving me home. Mm -hmm. um, And... She was saying, like, that she 
had been expecting that to be like a perk of the situation and how instead it's been the opposite. And I was like, oh my God, me too. Um, and then like truly made, she made my day and she said like, oh really? Like your skin looks so nice. I thought maybe you had like had to switch to a different brand of foundation or something. Cause I really thought your skin looked so nice. And I was like, even if she's lying to me, like, thank you so much for saying that. Like, <laughs> yep. I was like, that is not what's happening with my face right now. But thank you for saying that. So like, tweet at us and tell us what's happening to your face right now. Because it sounds like people are having one of two uh, experiences. And some are good and some are not. Some are not. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, Hannah, I am super excited to talk about our movie for this week. So I'm going to go ahead and roll us into that. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, friends. Well, Hannah and I had this whole list of movies that we had to talk about that were all theatrical releases. And of course, once all those started to get pushed back, we were like, we got to pick something else. And we both really wanted to pick something that wasn't too serious. I think we're all, like we've talked about for the first couple, 20 minutes of the show, like we're all struggling with a lot right now emotionally. Emotions are running high. And we wanted to do something kind of fun and simple. And I recommended a movie called Satanic Panic, which came out last year in 2019. Um, And I had seen the movie before, but Hannah had not. So for those of you who have not seen the movie, I will say up front that it's currently streaming on Shudder, which is a streaming service specifically for horror films. And if you don't have a Shudder account, they're doing a one-month free trial right now. Uh, All you have to do is use the promo code SHUTIN. Um, they are not a sponsor of this podcast. I just love Shudder um, and want people to watch this movie. Um, so great movie if, if you if you haven't seen it and great uh, service if you don't already have Shudder. So Satanic Panic is a, I would call it a dark horror comedy um, about a pizza delivery girl named Sam who it's her first day on the job and she's just having a really shit day. No one's tipping her. Everything is going really poorly. She gets sent out to this really, really, really wealthy uh, township, it looks like. Um, And she goes to this house and delivers the pizza, and the guy just shuts the door in her face and doesn't tip. And he has ordered, like, over $100 worth of pizza. And then she goes back to get on her Vespa, and she's really ticked off. It's been a long day, and her Vespa won't start, and she decides she's had enough, so she just kicks the door in or no she goes in through a back door maybe she goes inside she she sneaks into the house um and finds a bunch of men and women like very fancy and dressed up wealthy folks in a room in some kind of gathering she starts asking around to try to find the guy that bought the pizza and lo and behold she has stumbled into the a meeting of a satanic coven on the night that they are going to perform a ritual um and i will go back Classic. And I'll go back a little bit to say that there is um, an, an opening scene before the credits where we see a POV shot. Kind of, you hear folks having sex. The POV shot goes up the stairwell into a room, um, tr- slams the girl against the wall, and then goes after the guy and, and murders him. So uh, what we learn is this coven that is led by Rebecca Romaine. Uh, with looking as gorgeous as ever. Oh my gosh. We're going to have to spend a whole 45 minutes on all of her ensembles and just how great she looks. Cause, and just like her performance in general, because it's unhinged and I loved it. Um, yeah. she has a great henchman in comedian Arden Marin, who was very funny in this movie. Um, and then we have the two teenage girls. So we have Haley Griffith plays Sam. This is her first film debut and she did great. And then we have Ruby Modine. She's not a teenager my- though. She's, 22. Did I say teenager? Yeah. Oh, well, oh yeah, I guess like they play, but they're supposed to play teenage girls, no? Maybe they're adults. No, she says a couple times I've made it 22 years, like, without having sex. All right, yeah, you're right. Okay, so these two young adult women. Um, So we have Haley Griffith as Sam and then Ruby Modine, who horror fans may recognize as the roommate from Happy Death Day, also Matthew Modine's daughter, um, plays Judy, Rebecca Romaine's daughter. Um, and that's sort of the beginning synopsis of the film. I do want to highlight that this movie was written and based on the story by Grady Hendrix. Uh, Grady Hendrix, I kept being like, I recognize that name. I don't know why he is an author. He writes a lot of, um, 
horror fiction. And he wrote a book that I read a couple years ago called My Best Friend's Exorcism that was really good. Um, and then the film's directed, the reason that I saw it is that it's directed by Chelsea Stardust, who is a phenomenal uh, female horror director. I became aware of her about a year ago when she posted a picture on Instagram of herself wearing a t-shirt that says a Deborah Hill production in the Halloween font, <laughs> which I believe I shouted out on our Women in Horror episode because my friends recently bought me the same shirt. Yeah. Um, but she's great. And after watching this, I'm like super down to watch anything else that she puts out. Um, but Hannah, tell me a little bit about I'm sorry, Sophie, did you just say she this. puts out? That's so rude. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Hannah. We're trying to keep this podcast rated PG, okay? We're definitely going to be able to do that on this episode in particular. First of all, we've never kept it PG, and also this movie is uh, grody, so it's going to get unrated up in here. My heart just sank. I was like, wait, did we decide on that and I don't remember? Because I'm scared. (laughs) No, we're not not PG. Um, (laughs) I was like, oh no. (laughs) Decidedly not. I mark every episode as explicit. Um... Hannah, tell me. So what I you shouldn't of this be movie. listening to this at work with the toddlers I nanny. Uh, no. Just kidding. Not. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Um. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, wait. Am I allowed to say that we watched it together? <laughs> yeah, of course. Do you want to talk about why we watched it together or how we watched it together? Well, we watched like with a couple friends over uh, Zoom, the way of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. That went pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, especially thing- fun for me because most of the friends were my friends, and um, I had recommended this movie for the episode and had, like, enlisted a bunch of my friends to watch it with us, sort of forgetting how gory it was, and then I just kept, like, watching everyone's reaction to all of the over-the-top um, gore was very fun for me. Yeah, like, I have to say, I really, well, because I had seen the trailer a while back, and um, I am a big fan of Jerry O'Connell, who's in the film, and then also is Rebecca Romaine's husband in real life, because he is a huge Real Housewives fan, and he um, is a guest on the podcast Bitch Sesh a lot, which is a Real Housewives, like, uh, recap show um, so I had seen the trailer a while ago but the trailer made it look like really goofy and really low budget and so mm-hmm. I was kind of like oh well that could be fun um, but I felt like they kind of buried the lead a little bit because once we actually started watching it I was like oh shit like it was it was actually like far far better executed than I was like, ever expecting, um, and I guess maybe, like, I don't know why they, the trailer, like, they don't show any of the gore or anything, and I guess maybe mm-hmm. they, they weren't allowed, or, I mean, I don't know, but, um, I was definitely, like, very, very pleasantly surprised by the entire experience, like, I thought, um, Rebecca Romaine was amazing, I thought she was, like, genuinely, um, really, like, scary and, um, like, withholding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, the like, the, all the gory stuff was at times, like, very well executed so that it was really gross and other times really goofy but in a really enjoyable way. Um, so really, like, I ended up having such a great time watching this movie where, I thought it was going to be, like, I was going to watch it and it was going to be just okay. And I would kind of leave it being, like, well, like, I watched it for Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine. And, like, you know, like, they made it worth watching. And then at the end of it, I was, like, that movie was actually so good. Like, that was so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I would watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super fun movie. Um I would I would wager that all of the practical effects in this are not trailer friendly because they would make it red band. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's true because it's like pulling guts and stuff out of people. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, yeah, it's have, all like you, super super gross. Have you seen the trailer for it though? Like, cause the trailer just made it look so 
like so low budget that I that it made me like nervous. Yeah, no, I have not. I haven't seen the trailer, so now I feel like I, as soon as we end, I have to go watch it uh, because it just did not I'm do very, it justice curious. for like setting up what you were actually in for. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk I, just because like I'm gonna fangirl a little bit, um, and I have something exciting to share with Hannah that she doesn't know. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about Chelsea Stardust as a director before we go into the movie as a whole. So uh, Chelsea Stardust is someone who I've been a big fangirl of on Twitter since the iconic photo of her in the Deborah Hill t-shirt. But since then, um, she put this movie out, which I saw right when it came out. And then she also did an episode on the Hulu series Into the Dark, which is produced by Blumhouse. Um, She did the episode called All That We Destroy, which I have not seen yet. Um, For those of you that are not familiar, they're all... Uh, one to one and a half hour. I guess they all are all one and a half. I think they're feature length mm-hmm. um, horror films that come out once a month and they're supposed to go for a year. Um, and I have like a lot of directors I really like have done shorts for them or films for them, but I haven't seen any yet. She also a couple of years ago did a stage play called Slashed the Musical that was like a campy 80s horror musical that uh, showed on stage in L.A. for a little while. Uh, But when she first got her start working in movies, she worked in comedy first, but she worked for Ivan Reitman and Judd Apatow, um, but always wanted to, yeah, but she always wanted to get into horror, and so she got a job working as an executive assistant for Jason Blum, um, and that is how she got into the, working in the genre, Um, which I just think is such a stupendous story, like, we don't often get to, I mean, I think we talk a lot on this podcast about the idea that like, it's so much harder for women to just like get a foothold in the industry. Um, So it's really great to hear that about her. I think it's also probably worth noting that it's bonkers that someone with that kind of pedigree has only done like one uh, big feature length project. Um, You know what I mean? Like the fact that she hasn't had more like, commercially widely available stuff with that kind of background, I think sort of speaks to the kind of inequality that happens in Hollywood that like if a man had that much going on in his background, he would be directing tons of movies by now. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, so, but yeah, I want to talk a little bit about like, it's very clear that she's a huge genre fan like a thing that I didn't realize even though I've seen the film twice and I was so disappointed in myself to have not realized is that and I don't know if you picked up on this Hannah uh, but one of the IMDB trivia facts was that the opening scene of this movie is a reference to the opening of Halloween which is as I'm reading it, I'm like well of course it is it's a uh-huh. POV shot of someone going up the stairs finding two people right after they finish having sex um, killing the girl and then going after the guy right which is yeah. like in Halloween, the guy lives. Um, but I love that homage. And then our heroine, Sam, is wearing red Converse sneakers throughout the movie, which are meant to symbolize uh, Dorothy's ruby slippers, mm. which I th- just think is really cute. Um, but I just think, like, I'm with you where I remember specifically when I watched this movie is my friend, uh, Andrew, wanted the two of us to watch the movie together, like, long distance and text. And he recommended this. I had not heard of it. Um, but when he told me that it was a Chelsea Stardust movie I was in, because I, I was a fan of hers on Twitter without having seen any of her work. And I sort of remember, like, maybe through the first minute to five minutes, I was sort of where you were with the trailer. I was like, this seems like it's going to be, like, very well-intentioned, but just, like, not executed well. Yeah. You know, like, and... I think what's really cool is that you see in those sequences that like, this is not a huge budget movie. Like, yes, they had enough budget to do some really phenomenal practical effects, but this is still a movie that's working with a relatively small budget. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they're able to pull off as much as they did and get the actors they did. And it's just like, it is such a well executed movie from top to bottom. Um, Yeah, I agree. And I think with, with what they were working with, so the finished product, it's, like, really, 
it makes it that much more impressive. Yeah. And I think, like, I don't know if you get this vibe, but as someone who has watched a great deal of, like, really, really low budget, like, micro budget um, horror comedies, especially, or satires, I think a lo- sometimes it is real. I think it's hard to pull off horror and comedy together and have it have both elements work effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movie like What We Do in the Shadows did it really well, but I think it's hard for the movie to not tip too far one way or the other. And I think this movie balances it perfectly. Like the comedy is funny, um, but the the gore scenes are super gross and they're very realistic looking. Mm-hmm. And there are tense scenes that are really tense. And moving between those two tones... Um, especially so fluidly is really, really hard to do. And I was impressed by it the first time and impressed even more the second time. Yeah. I mean, I think like one thing that we talked about when we were watching it was, um, or I guess I don't remember if it was during or after, but whatever, at some point, you know, I brought up like the, um, comparison to the, the movie Slice that came out last year with Chance the Mm -hmm. Rapper and how that movie, like, um, in particular, like, I know that you, you weren't that big a fan of it. Um, and, like, I enjoyed it, um, but it was definitely, like, super, super low budget, super, super, uh, like, just fully in the land of, like, cheese and, uh, like, super campy. Um, that at times that was, like, a bit of a detriment to it. Um Whereas, like, this, like you said, it sort of, like, straddled the line really well of, like, being super silly at times and um, poking fun at the genre, but then also having, like, some legitimately good, like, gross-out scares. Um, And I think a lot of that, too, has to go a little bit with, like, Rebecca Romaine's performance because... I was honestly, like, I was surprised with, like, how how well she did as just, like, being, like, I, a really cold bitch. Like, I thought, yeah. like, I thought for sure there was going to be, like, a turn or a reveal or something where it was going to be, like, oh, she's not actually, or, like, oh, she did really want to, like, save her daughter um, but, like, that never happened. She was, like, steadfastly evil the, the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I think that that also, like, brought, that brought a, like, a level, um, of believability to the whole movie. Um, Absolutely. That was, like, that served it really well, I think. Yeah, I think that her performance, uh, I totally agree. Her performance brings a lot of gravity to the film because, Obviously, there are scenes where we're seeing her do things that that are patently absurd, but her performance makes them all scary. Like, Mm -hmm. in the very opening, the first time we see her is when Sam goes into the house and Rebecca Romaine is the one speaking to the group of people that are all gathered and she's basically like... You are you all ready to commit yourselves to Satan? And it's kind of like a funny laugh line that's supposed to catch you off guard. Um... But it turns so quickly, right? Like they, so Hannah mentioned uh, her daughter, the the uh, Matthew Modine's daughter. Uh, what did I say her first name was? Ruby Modine. Ruby who yeah. plays who plays Judy. Uh, she plays Rebecca Romaine's daughter. She's the young woman we see in the beginning of the movie who we think gets killed. And what we learn is that uh, they needed a virgin to sacrifice. And she had basically offered her daughter. And once her daughter found out that's what they wanted her to keep her virginity for, she loses her virginity, thereby angering her mother and sort of taking herself off the table, so to speak. Um, Yeah, literally. (laughs) Literally. And so I loved, like, the fact that we get to see, like, they turn on Sam really quickly when they realize she's a virgin. They're like, we'll use her instead. Um, and I think that quick turn in the writing helps to cement the rest of Rebecca Romaine's performance because we see that like, even though there's like silly infighting and cattiness in their group, at the end of the day, the folks in this group are all willing to do really terrible things. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, her performance is, is astounding and, and is like, like I said, I think she does the same thing that the movie overall does where she can balance being like very creepy and cold and also doing things that are really silly. Like, um, when, uh, she shoots her husband, Jerry O'Connell, uh, who's also her real life husband. And then she like reaches her arm into the bullet hole in his neck while he's still alive and like mm-hmm. grabs his heart and pulls it out. It's like so gross. Yeah. Um, but they like, they really drag that scene out and like play it for laughs. And she does a great job in the performance of like really treading that line between it being like super nasty and kind of like silly to see someone so beautiful do something so heinous. Yeah. And struggle. <laughs> struggle to pull and it. Struggle. Struggle yeah. to pull the whole thing out. <laughs> uh well, while we're talking about performances, I really want to get into talking about Sam and Judy, uh, both those actresses' performances and their relationship, because I think for me, that's one of the strongest parts in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um is this like really uh, kind of beautiful female friendship that forms between these two young women who, uh, at the beginning, Sam saves Judy kind of by accident. Um, and Judy is kind of like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And then yeah. they realize that they need to stick together. And I think that um, a lot of movies do this with their two characters, right? Where it's like, they need each other, but they can't stand each other. And I think this film like draws that the way that relationship might build to a point where they care about each other in a very, in a very believable way. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I think, um, probably the scene where, um, Arden Moran is trying to basically turn, uh, Judy into like a, uh, human, um, voodoo doll. Mm-hmm. So she is experiencing a lot of, pain and like you know pretty fucked up shit happening to her in the moment and also at the same time as like knowing that that's like all at the behest of her own mother and then she tells Sam like oh tell me a story um and that's when we kind of get like all of Sam's um backstory which is also like a very painful uh revelation for her Um, Mm -hmm. I think pretty much after that, they're, like, in it together, um, and you really, like, you really believe that. Um, although, personally, I really wanted them to, like, get together at the end of the movie. I know. (laughs) I was gonna say, like, it's great because there is so much, like, lingering tension between the two of them that's, like, um, that's very, that, like, I think, again, is, like, played very genuinely, Mm -hmm. that, like... Um, Judy seems to not be into it, but there definitely is, like, at one point when Judy realizes Sam's a virgin, and she's like, oh, come on, and Sam's kind of like, well, like, we can, and she's like, no, it has to be, like, a penis, or doesn't count, which made me laugh. Um, so, yeah, she said it's strictly dickly with the devil. Strictly dickly with the devil. Um, and then there's another bit where, like, she, they're, like, talking, and then she almost kisses her, right? And Judy's like, what are you doing? Like, we're just talking. Um... Yeah, they have, like, such a great vibe. I think those actresses had great chemistry. They both, like, both of their performances are really good. And I'm glad you brought up that scene with the um, with the spell that Arden Marin casts. That is my favorite part of the whole movie, I think, and my favorite set piece. Mm-hmm. And essentially what's happening is they have a piece of her hair that Arden Marin has taken from um, Rebecca Romaine. And she gets up this, uh, they all, like, put this all the coven members except Rebecca Romaine who's not in who isn't in the scene they like all get this old moldy skull out and like put a tiny dab of something that's inside the skull on their tongue and they start chanting something and then Arden Marin has this like wax um figure of a woman and Mm -hmm. she's like sticking pins in it and pins pins are coming out of Judy's fingertips and out of right under her eyes and like those visuals are stunning they look Mm -hmm. so real and are like so gross and they they're very delicate which makes them even creepier um and what what uh judy tells sam is that they have to seal her skin so they both start writing this like incantation 
all over her body. Um, and it's like such a cool concept. I wish our dear friend uh, Cece was here. I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming that that has some basis in some kind of real like spell work of some kind. But the idea of like sealing your skin is just like such a neat idea and that visual Mm -hmm. is great and obviously it leads to great tension because they are like basically racing against Arden Marin's spell to get all of Judy's skin covered before um they can they can kill her with their spell um yeah that's a great scene yeah I get like I think like um sort of earlier on when they're first first encounter each other too it's like Judy said that uh she I wonder if she was named Judy because of uh, Sleepaway Camp also. She was named Judy because of um, Halloween, because his older sister's name is Judith. Oh, I see. Um, So, uh, but Judy says, like, she was, like, she stayed a virgin, um, like, you know, for her own reasons. But then when she found out, like, what the plan was for her, that she, like, went out and just had sex with, like, the first guy she could find... Um, and also just, like, the way that she, like, delivers it is that basically she was, like, you know, not that jazzed about it. Um, Mm -hmm. and then Sam saying, like, she had a a love, someone that she was in love with and that that person died and that she didn't really have any desire to, like, sleep with anyone else. Um, that to me, I was like, oh my God, they should fall in love. <laughs> I was right. like, this is it. They can both find like their passion. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like that and that scene in particular too, but just because it was like, I mean, I think it was acted really well by both of them. Um, but also uh, like super tense because they're, they're both kind of freaking out and um, it's like Judy's, physically in a lot of pain but also sam is confronting this idea that like the last time someone she really cared about was in a lot of pain she ran away Mm -hmm. um and so she has to like force herself to stay and 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 like work to help judy um yeah so i agree that that was like probably one of the best scenes in the movie um r.i.p judy Unfortunately, didn't I make know. It. So I think sad. that's one of the hardest. That's one of the hardest parts of the movie for me is that Judy doesn't survive. I know it's a bummer, and it's like it happened so fast too. Um, I also had I also appreciated like, um, on a similar vein, just in terms of like Sam and her sexuality. Like, um, she doesn't seem to be very she's not really that embarrassed or like ashamed to admit that she's a virgin or that she's like not really that interested in having sex. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially when she explains it later, like it, it makes perfect sense. And it's like, um, you know, it's like, it's her choice and she's not that, you know, that, that worried about it. Um, which I think is like a, a great way to handle it within the movie instead of having it be like something that she's like apologizing for. She's just like, yeah, like I just didn't want to. So I haven't. So I do, since we're working on a movie with a female director, which obviously, like, we we love and, and get excited about on this podcast, I want to talk a little bit about just, like, some of the aspects of that that are important for this movie. Um, I read a really interesting article, which I will share in the the post for the, for the episode. Um, but it's just, like, a really cool um, – I found a really cool article on Forbes – that is called Chelsea Stardust and the Satanic Panic Fest find the intersection of, I think it's feminism and Satanism. My ad blocker is blocking the head- headline for me, but you'll see it when I post it. <laughs> um, but like, so they interviewed Chelsea Stardust as well as the actress and the actresses. And one thing that she says is that she was really drawn to this story because like we, it's not uncommon to get stories of people like um, doing terrible things to get or retain their power Mm -hmm. but it's not super common to have those stories be centered around women like we often see stories right like male anti-heroes that are like doing terrible shit for money or fame or Mm -hmm. whatever far less often do we get stories of like women or especially groups of women um 
doing something like that. And so she was really excited about the movie for that reason. Um, and she also said in a quote that felt like, I wish we could just like make this the headline for our podcast. Chelsea Stardust said, women have a relationship with blood that men do not and will never have. Also, (laughs) unfortunately in the world, fear is something that women have to live amongst every day in their daily life. It is a way to exercise any of those demons you're carrying around that no other genres let you do. And that's the way she answers like why she's a, why being a female horror fan is so special to her. Mm. Um, and reading that, I just was like, yeah, that's exactly why we want to have this podcast is for that same reason. Yeah. That's a great, like a great point. I'm even more happy. I started kickstarted this by saying I've just been on my period for a week and a half. (laughs) You've just been living an incredibly like genre lifestyle. My life is genre driven. So (laughs) there's a quote from the actress who plays Sam who says, when you have a female director, you can feel more secure and you know that you have an ally there. Anything that's going on, going to be throw your way in terms of nudity or costuming. They understand exactly how you're feeling. Um, So I like the idea that, like, of course, it might feel more comfortable on set if you're an actress to have a female director present so that you can, like, you can say if you're like, my character wouldn't wear this or I don't feel comfortable wearing this. Um, Yeah. I I think, like, far too often we uh, hear stories, especially now as the Me Too uh, movement sort of, like, picks up steam of, like, women feeling pressured into situations in film that they either don't feel safe or they don't feel comfortable um, and feeling like when they try to voice their concerns to uh, men on set, whether they be directors, producers, et cetera, uh, they sort of get, have their, their concerns invalidated. And I love the idea that like, if you have a woman on set, Maybe it's not always going to be the case, but you might be more likely of having someone who is going to understand where you're coming from and not just say, like, oh, you're being ridiculous, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Just that you can um, feel, like, probably, A, it's a more open environment to discuss your concerns, um, but also that with a... um, female director they also will have like a basis for a basis of understanding Mm -hmm. for where you're coming from like before you even you know get it out that it probably also adds to like the level of comfort um yeah i mean i think that's a great a great point and just like um a great sentiment for why there should definitely be more female directors because they definitely seem to make people more comfortable in general Yeah, like, that's honestly the thing that I kept coming back to reading that article was I think there is, when people, when there have been increased calls for more women to be stepping into roles as writers and directors and producers, there's all this pushback um, from, like, sort of more established avenues that are like, well, but why does it matter who's telling the story or why does it matter? And it's like, this is why it matters. Because they're even the most, like, empathetic, well-meaning male director. Well, Hannah, I think we've seen that there's all kinds of stuff to talk about when it comes to satanic panic, but the real question that listeners are dying to know is where on our highly uh, validated and and now patented, it's not patented, review scale, would you rate <laughs> satanic panic? Um, first off, I definitely think that we should always say it's patent pending. Oh, I love uh, that idea. <laughs> And I think I would give this one probably like three Bloody Marys with a beer back, but also with um, your pinky out while it's being sucked on by a soul souffle. <laughs> Hannah, that is so beautifully on brand for this film that I am just, I'm floored. I'm just floored. <laughs> um, wow. I don't even, I really just, I've, I'm blown away. Um, <laughs> I am going to give this movie, now bear with me, I'm going to do something unconventional with our patent pending rating system, which is that <laughs> I'm going to give this movie 
one Bloody Mary with a large pizza, which more than makes up for the other four Bloody Marys. (laughs) What you're hearing here is, Hannah gives me shit for giving everything a five, but like we just watch a lot of good movies. Uh, We're going to have to watch some more stinkers to even out my average, but I thought this movie is uh, phenomenal. There is very little, if anything at all, that I would change. And I felt that a full pizza with no sweet corn, thank you very much, would be on brand. (laughs) I think that that's a, I expect like nothing less from you. Well, thank you. I do aim to please. Uh, <laughs> so this week, um, you, listeners know that we typically will do an in ladier news. And to be totally honest, um, I don't have one for this week. Hannah and I talked up top and we, I was set, going through and I was saying, we're going to record this. And then at the end, we do this and this. And she goes, don't forget in ladier news. And I was sort of like, oh, I didn't forget. It's just that it's been a tough week. And I... I didn't have the energy to do this. And so um, what I would like to share instead, even though it's not news, um, is something I shared on Instagram this week that I will share on our uh, podcast Twitter page. There is a artist, I believe she's based in Colorado. Her, uh, her business name is Craft Boner. Uh, Hannah, <laughs> Hannah knows her because we've both bought uh, like, cards and I've bought prints and all kinds of other stuff from her magnets and keychains. Um, she's amazing. If you, uh, join her, um, uh, newsletter, if you join her email newsletter, then at the beginning of every month, she sends you a free iPhone wallpaper, um, or any phone wallpaper. And they're always really cute and have fun quotes on them. The other day on Instagram, she posted a permission slip and the permission slip says, to do nothing, to do something, to be unproductive, to do what makes you feel good or comfortable or calm or normal or safe or okay to get you through this in a way that works for you. Um, And I saw that the day, the morning of the day that we recorded. And I just felt like, yeah, um, right now trying to find a piece of in later news means wading through a, a massive swamp of news that's going to make me stressed out and I don't I didn't really want to do it and so instead I will leave you with that please follow craft boner on Instagram or Twitter or wherever you do things on the internet because she just posts like lovely uplifting bright pastel stuff all the time um, and we'll share that's that fun. slip so you have that too um can I give a little a little plug type thing too of course well, so um, in honor of tonight being the premiere of the new season of Real Housewives of New York, my favorite of all Real Housewives, <laughs> um, and although Bethany Frankel has departed the show and is no longer on the show, for now, anyway, um, she does have a really large um, charity organization called Be Strong that she started a couple years ago after the hurricanes um, that, like, devastated Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, so her charity donated like, I think like a million and 95 masks, like all over. That's um, great. And a bunch of protective suits in like New York and Louisiana. So um, it's a really good organization if people are, are looking for uh, a cause to get behind. I love that. That's a great plug. And We hope that you all know um, we are so grateful to have you come and hang out with us. And we hope that you know that we appreciate you and care about you. And we hope everyone listening is taking good care of yourself. Um, Get outside when you can go for a walk uh, safely, you know, stay away from folks, but try to do what you can to keep your life as normal as possible. And remember that you have permission to also just be unproductive and acknowledge that things aren't normal when you need to do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and um don't be afraid to sit in a closet if you need to yeah i mean <laughs> hannah's making closets uh like the new thing i was listening to my favorite murder today and georgia was recording from her closet and i have to imagine she got the idea from you is that for real she totally copied me now to be fair, <laughs> to be fair we haven't released the episode this episode yet um but i assume they were listening to us record mm-hmm mm-hmm that's for, sure. That's for sure what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter. We are at the number 28 days lady underscore ER. 
You can also send us an email and we might read it on the show. Our email address is the number 28 days later at gmail.com. We love all of you and hope that you're taking care of yourselves. We'll see you for brunch next week. Clink, clink. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot harder to do when we can't see each other. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think and then in my head, it. I was like, wait, is not going to have the same experience. And I think like, you, you gain a lot in whether you're working in Hollywood or any other se- uh, sector, you gain a lot by having lots of different experiences and, and life stories reflected in your environment. And that should be the case no matter where you're working. Um, because it allows for people to feel more safe and feel seen um, and sort of like have examples to aspire to that I think Mm -hmm. like gets lost when that doesn't happen.